Welcome to Pacific Drift with John and myself, Jason. This is a podcast about communities and cultures and languages in the Pacific. Each week, we give ourselves a particular topic and then let loose to research individually and then report back whatever we find. Today, we're talking about Ambai Island in Vanuatu. Are you sure it's called Ambai? I have various other names for it. What are those names? Um... Uh, I'm really going to screw this up. Oba, <laughs> Omba, Abba, Opa, and also Leper's Island. <laughs> <laughs> Leper's Island? All the others were like, uh, uh, and then Leper's Island. I think those are like misspellings of various Europeans over the oh, years. We should introduce Ali. <laughs> yeah, okay, so <laughs> today we're very lucky to have Ali with us. Hello. And Ali has uh, quite a bit of experience. An expert. An expert on Ambai Island. I don't uh, know about sh- that. We've done some work in the past on Ndui Ndui, which is a language of Ambai. And Ali is an expert on this language. And so they are joining us today to talk about this. Should we do a bit of a, an intro to the island? I feel like this yeah, is kind please, of a necessary please. thing. Yeah. So, um... Well, it's an island in Vanuatu, uh, 38 kilometers long and 16 kilometers wide. And what is this island made up of? Well, it's, it's, it's a volcano. It's it just is. just one, one big, big volcano. Dirty <laughs> volcano just sitting there like, ready to go. Well, it exploded in 2018. Ooh, rather exciting stuff. I think it was rather devastating, actually. <laughs> um, what else is there that is quite important? Um, the annual average temperature is about 30 degrees, so quite hot. Oh. I mean, I would like that. I don't it, know about you guys. It's in the tropics. I would be sitting there just relaxing away, having a bit of a tan. I'd be living my dream over in Mumbai. Um, it has, well, about 398 kilometers squared. (laughs) These are all impressively unimportant facts. Um, but the highest elevation, so that's obviously the the, the tip of the volcano. Which is done by volcano. Yes. Right. It's 1,500 meters. Wow. So it's, it's not a small. Yeah, it's a tall guy. (laughs) It is a tall guy. Um, what else is there that is uh, vitally important? Um, it has three airports. Uh, yes, they're, they're chocker full of airports, <laughs> like, which is rather interesting. How many do you need, really? Yeah. But um, also, you can't fly in on a Friday. You can fly in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Oh, or a Sunday, actually. You can't fly in on a Sunday. So oh, okay. Friday and Sunday. vital facts for you. Well, that's good to know for the future in yeah. case I... Want to go on a Friday? <laughs> Don't. I'll know to change my plans. <laughs> Don't right, book okay. your Friday. Um, I feel like that's pretty much uh, the, the, the meat of it. An introduction to the island. Can we go back to this volcano business? Yes. Well, I was going to jump in here because I found something really curious. Is um, If you go and have a look, well, if you look up on my island and you look for the population... Um, it pops up with uh, zero in 2018. Uh, yes, because they evacuated. This, I think, is just the dopest thing I've ever heard of. They usually have, I think it's around, what, 11,600 people. Mm-hmm. And they just evacuated them all. Yes. Just like that. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I assume it was like quite a process. But the- yeah, the volcano erupted and there was, you know, when volcanoes erupt... 
big cloud of ash and smoke and stuff in people's houses and they had to evacuate. But and I, I think now, like, people have gone back and, like, rebuilt, but that's, like, information that's difficult to find. I, I mean, The I, extent to which it's now back to its pre-eruption population, I don't know. I think that this has been happening over time, right? It's not just one Yeah, event. it wasn't, like, a big... I don't know if it was a big surprise. Well, it was, I think, the first time that they had evacuated the entire island. It was the first time that the government triggered a state of emergency. I, th- I think it was, like, one of the more... And they all they all went off to other islands, um, Maiwo mm. and Santo, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, from what I understand, um, the government evacuated around 3,000 of them. Um, sorry, no, maybe 5,000 of them. And the rest of them evacuated themselves, mm. and they all shot off on boats. And, well, um, well uh, actually, back in 2005, oh, yeah? there was an eruption. Oh, oh okay. And that led to several of these alerts and about 3000 people were displaced at that time. Now, I think that they were displaced to different parts of the island. Um so they were just, you know, moving uh, around on the yeah. island, mm. but so that's why I say this isn't an isolated incident here. The the, the eruptions have been kind of ongoing yes. for quite a few Which years. Which is I mean that's fun art too. Yeah. Do yeah. you think there's any other country in the world that has ever just evacuated everyone? Well, it's not a country. Okay, island. So, yeah. Yeah, probably. Really? Yeah, like in the surrounding area of where the volcano is. Do you Declare think... a state of emergency, get the people out of there. It's Do just you... that it's an island, so it feels different. Do you think that like, <laughs> like taking all these people and putting them on a, an island close by would really have a major effect if it actually all went boom? No, so this is, this is after, the, after the volcano had erupted. So the volcano erupts. Yeah. I don't know enough about yeah, yeah, I don't know there's... enough about volcanoes to know like if there's like a scale like earthquakes or whatever. But after the volcano erupts, there is a certain trajectory of like the smoke and, and the stuff like that. Yeah, so people yeah. under that trajectory cannot live there. It's mm. not safe. So then they must get evacuated to another part of the island or to a different island. Hmm. So yeah, I mean if the entire island literally erupted then they would, it would be, die, I assume. It'd be boom, boom time. Yeah, they have different levels. Of, I don't think. Of, I don't think it was that amount of eruption, if you will. Yeah. So back in two thousand five, it was a, a level two um, alert. Okay. And then in twenty seventeen, uh, it went to level four, and then um, I guess level five is being the it's major okay. eruption. Yeah. So Umbai has two languages, and actually, that's why we sort of got Ali in. Um, the expert on Umbai languages. Um, one is called West Umbai language, and the other is called East Umbai language. Yeah, yeah. Ali disagrees. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have an opinion on it. I don't disagree or agree. That is what the literature surrounding Umbai and the, the languages that are spoken on it divide it literally just into East and West in like two circles. Yes. It's a it's a under documented, under researched area. Like there's not a lot of actual um, data on any of those dialects or any of those languages or whatever. So like the extent to which that is the truth, I I don't know. Because there's something quite weird, isn't there? Um, one language uh, is it the it's the East Umbai one has a grammar by Hislop, and the other one has nothing. Right. Yeah. So people call the one in the Western half of the island, either Western Umbai or Ndui Ndui, which is also a place name, like a district name. 
Um, and then people at different times in the literature call the one that's more like northeastern side of the island, just call that Ambai. But in terms of the western half, there's just nothing. <laughs> so, Ali, you seem to be uh, cautious about saying that there's two languages. Is, is it more so. likely the case that there's um, a chain of dialects here? Or is it likely that there's something that's that's undocumented in the West that we just don't know about? Yeah, well, I guess I guess in within Northeast Umbai, I think Hislop's work on the dialects has been like, this is a chain mm-hmm. that like goes from mutually intelligible, really close to one another, still coherent as a part of the same language, but all different. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the Ndui Ndui, West Umbai side, we just don't have that information. So it could be the same. It could be a chain of dialects. It could be a part of the same chain. It could be a different chain. Or there could be languages there. I mean, I, I don't know. You've worked a bit on Ndui Ndui, haven't you? Yes. Um, well, from what you've looked at, can you specify any like things that are different, like majorly? I mean, I would, <laughs> I would say, based on the little that I know about Northeast Umbayan, yeah. which is not a lot because I didn't focus on it because I was looking at a different language. But they do seem to be different languages. Yeah, yeah. They don't, like, they don't look the same. Is there anything specific you can give us? Is there any like weird grammar stuff? Any weird sounds? I don't know enough about Northeast Umbai to give you like grammar S- stuff. Is it mostly words? Sorry. Is it mostly? Yeah, just that's words? that's uh, what languages are mostly. No, no, words. It's, it's the, the, the difference is, John. <laughs> there's more than just words and languages. <laughs> okay, so is it the differences mostly in the word forms? So are the differences lexical? Is that the most obvious difference or? I don't know enough about the lexicon of, um, I guess the most obvious sort of like salient difference that I noticed just like skimming through Northeast Umbai stuff is it doesn't appear to have the prenasalization stuff. Mm, that okay. is so common in the Indian so phonological pre- differences. It looks like that based well, on. What is this prenasalization thingy that you guys are talking about? The You're laughing at me. I'm not laughing. You're I'm laughing just at me. Regretting having to explain this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, just inherent in the name of the language of the area or whatever, Ndui Ndui. Yeah. Whether you want to understand that as a consonant cluster of the N and the D, the Nd, or as, you know, something more complicated. Um, but that's like a really common feature of Ndui Ndui is the N and the D and M and a B, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what words look like. They all have this N-B-N-D sort of stuff. Whereas the other one doesn't it, seem to It doesn't have appear that. to at least be so obviously like a big feature of the language. Oh, that's no. quite interesting. So uh, just to give it a little bit more detail, um, the West Umbai has about um, 8,700 speakers. The uh, the East one, um, is that? No, the West one is Ndui Ndui, isn't mm-hmm. it? So Ndui Ndui has about 8,700 speakers and the East Umbai one has about 5,000. The East Umbai one has the quite a bit of documentation well i mean well just some it has documentation (laughs) and that's sort of that's where the bar is and the and the other one doesn't yes no nothing now before we came into the studio um jason has been hyping up some wild (laughs) bit of exciting thing in the language that i have no idea what is going on but i feel like this is maybe the time to talk about it well um earlier this I Fantastic told, discovery. I, I told Jason a fun story. A fun story. And I can't wait. I want to hear it again now. Okay. okay. About a particular village, a particular dialect, and sort of the history of that language, what its name, and okay. what that name means. Okay. Okay. So um, place names 
in Northeast Dubai start with lo or lolo, uh-huh. which is like a locative. So that all the place names translate to like at the place of yeah. X. Yeah. Um, and there's this particular village or district, I'm not sure, called Lolo Voli. Yeah. Um, and Voli means payment or perhaps the verb to buy, to pay. Okay. So it's like the place of payment. The payment. Okay. Okay. So that sort of straight away gives you like a, what, what happened there in the history? Why is that place called okay, that? Okay. Yeah. Thrilling. Okay. So it gives you this idea that at this district, a titular payment occurred and it was important enough to like be the name. Something important happened here. So then you go, oh, what is it that they bought? They bought the language. What? What? <laughs> it's so fun. What? Yep. <laughs> Just listen to this. It's so fun. Okay. So, so the, the story goes, this is the, this is the oral history story of what happened is that we have this district called Lolovoli and then neighboring district or village is called Longana. Okay. The story goes is that these two districts speak related dialects of the same yep. language, yep. but that the people in Longana really liked the language that they were speaking in <laughs> Lolovoli. They thought it was cool. I don't know. Um, and so they sort of got together and wanted to buy <laughs> the rights <laughs> to speak their other language. <laughs> Okay, so get me right. So they were like, oh, we like your language. <laughs> Do you mind if we just pop over <laughs> and then buy it off you? Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't just that so that they, the story goes that it's not that they said, oh, we want to speak this language too. Yeah. Um, they essentially swapped. What? According to the history of the So it wasn't just buying the rights, it was buying the language. It was actually buying so the that, whole language. So that now, when I say, oh, the language they speak in Lolovoli would have been historically the language that they spoke no. in Longana and vice versa. No way. So yeah. they swapped their languages. Yes. And the, the, the story goes that in the like immediate contemporary times of when this happened, yeah. that there was sort of a system in place, whereas if you were an original Lolovoli speaker, yeah. and now that this like payment and agreement had come to terms, if you said a word <laughs> in that language that had now been sold, you had to pay. Okay, I have a hundred questions about this. This is ridiculous. I want to know, you're sitting there on your, your couch, your, your, your mat. mat. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they uh, have. Mats. And they're sitting there and they hear this other language and they're like, damn, that sounds nice. I want it. I want to buy it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you have to sort of wonder who who were the actual individuals involved in this. Yeah. Because like, they would in have the to be like, you know, leaders yeah. within their various districts. So it. You know, who had the authority to just decide one day? We'd like to buy your language, please. Isn't it? Wouldn't it be quite difficult for everyone to, to suddenly have to, like, essentially ditch their language? That's what I would think. And well, learn I guess, a completely new one. Well, they are, they're mutually intelligible dialects. Uh-huh. Still. But, so, it, you know, there was probably features of the language that were identical. But 
Like, <laughs> it's still quite a lot of, you yes, know, like, that's I'm probably, assuming... I'm sure they had to pay a lot of fines. Well, okay, yeah, this is the next bit. How much was it? How much is it to buy a language? Oh, would you like to know? I would love to know. <laughs> I, is, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a language. I'm going to go also... to Australia and I'm going to buy Australian. I'm just going to say, look, I want, <laughs> I want Australian. Not a language. Hand it over. <laughs> you want to buy the language of Australian? Well, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> So this is also an interesting facet of the of the story. Yeah. Is that so you go, okay, how how did this payment like actually occur? What did they pay? Yeah. So they paid all sort of the normal things that you would expect, particularly in a Vanuatuan context, like pork, boar tusks and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but there's also there is um the story goes that this payment took place in a particular place. Yeah. Within the district. La la lobby. <clears throat> Yeah, so it took place in like the district of Lolavoli, but within there, it took place in this particular valley, which in the language now is translates to the valley of the payment. Yeah. So it's like we have two data <laughs> points that are sort of corroborating one another. There. Yeah. So it's called Waluivoli. Yeah. The valley of the payment, and within what they actually paid, there was a particular type of tree that they had in Longana. Yeah. That they didn't have in Lollavoli, a particular type of nut tree. Okay. And so I guess they were like, well, you know, you love our language, you want our language so much. Okay, well, we'll get the thing we don't have, which is that particular type of nut, <laughs> which now in the language is called Velevoli. So Vele is the type of nut, <laughs> the type of tree. So it's the payment. It's the no. payment tree. What about the fines? How much was a fine? I don't know. Like I wish that I knew that. Like is that like if you say the wrong word and someone hears you, yeah. you get fined? Yeah, that's what that's what the That's the idea. I think they had to literally had to pay something. What if the only people that heard you were the people in your community? Surely they'd all be like buddy buddy, we'll not tell anyone about that. That's also um so Hislop in recounting this story says that people still use certain phrases but when correcting children yeah um will say things like oh you can't use that word that's the longanan word oh. which out of context just looks like being like oh no speak like us you know this is how we speak our language properly yeah but with that historical context sort of feels like a sort of a remembrance of if you use that word we might have to pay someone amazing um now when they decided to well uh, by the other language. What, like, how did the deal go with the swapping the language? I mean, do, once you've bought someone else's language, they are no longer allowed to speak it. Yeah. And I guess they had to they swapped. take yours. Yeah. How wild. It yeah. sort of seems like a, I don't know, maybe it's because the story is being told from a particular perspective, that it's like, oh, then if we say anything in Long Island, we have to pay a fine. But because they literally swapped... It sort of seems unfair because it's like, well, if the Longanans said something in their original language, they have to pay a fine? Good question. How long ago was this? I have to assume a long time ago. I don't know. So now they're like the... the Beyond living memory. The, it's an the oral history. The people in the two different places are like speaking the exact opposite languages from ages ago. Yeah, in, in, yeah, huh? in theory, yeah. Okay, if we could shift back to Nui and Dewey, um, oh. we were talking earlier about how it's lacking documentation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've collectively here worked on the language, and it's really cool. But um, I had discovered that there actually is some documentation Ooh. on it. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, in 2020, Ooh. there was a book that was published uh, in Dewey and Dewey. Oh, lovely. Okay. Yeah, it's called uh, uh, Tovo Tovo Lo Leo Dewey and Dewey. What does and it mean? That literally translates to uh, formal talking in the Dewey and Dewey no language. Way. Yeah, and um, like it, it was yeah locally uh, produced, and um, it covers all kinds of topics. So things like uh, village life, marriage, uh, dancing, no different way. kinds of games, awesome. dress, cooking, um, etc. And it, it's a way to preserve mm. the language and to promote the language locally. So the it authors sounds like some um, supplementary data that you should send to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, it's fantastic. I might be able to cite. <laughs> well, the the authors had noted that um, a lot of the children were not speaking the language well. Yeah. Um, they couldn't count in the oh. language. And so they put this book together uh, as a way to sort of codify this is the formal way of speaking wow. in the language. And these are all the things that you need to know about all these different topics in the language. Wow. So um, I don't have a, a copy of it, but um, I would Try love to get, to get my, one. My yeah. hands on one. Yeah. yeah. So wow. uh, I just thought that that was really fantastic that this kind of effort is coming locally. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because, I mean, you've done some documentation over in Papua New Guinea where you've produced um, learning materials. Mm -hmm. But this, I'm assuming, is entirely community done. This is That's correct. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. And it's, and it's um, the idea behind it is they would be used in schools. Wow. Yes, yeah. In doing do means ant. <laughs> I think that, that's a, a perfect way to close the episode. <laughs> Just that random tidbit. There's a book and it means, it means ant. ant. Well, listen, on the other side of the island, we have all these place names that are about something characteristic. So we can sort of assume I want to know something why happened it's with ants. Ant. I don't yeah. know if it's literal or figurative. That's probably in the book. So That's true. That's true. Probably we really need to get a copy of this. To get the book. Fantastic. Well, the only other thing that I wanted to mention was that right now in Ambai, it is 29 degrees Celsius and it is rainy and cloudy oh, lovely. because I found out that I can get the local weather on my phone. Perfect. Great. Fantastic. Well, that was a wildly entertaining session. Today we've talked about several different things. We've talked about the volcano mm. on Ambai. We've talked about the languages and the payment for one of those languages um, a book written um, before Ndwee Ndwee and, and the weather, I'm just putting it out there I'm really proud of my weather, talk about the weather. <laughs> um, thank you Ali for coming in um, you've been listening to Pacific Drift thank you to our production team Tim artwork by Becky and Jason music by Jazar out of school thank you for listening